Hey, what's up, guys? I'm Taylor Rapp, former Washington Husky defensive back, and you are tuned in to the Circling Seattle Sports Podcast. Hello, and welcome to episode 51 of the Circling Seattle Sports Podcast. Um, I am joined, we have a full house today. We've had a full house for a couple weeks now, which is a good thing. Um, joined by Omari and Bennett today. Hello. Oh, uh, yeah, hello. <laughs> how, how disappointed oh, yeah. are we? Hello. How disappointed are we? right now largely largely disappointed well we're gonna we're gonna take that off and disappointed we're gonna take those emotions and we're gonna we're gonna throw them away for right now we're gonna actually we're gonna put them to the side okay um because we're announcing our new partners we are partnered with maestro athletics and hom seattle obviously those two uh have oday connections with us um but it's it's exciting to have some partners here Uh, i don't have uh statements yet to put out about them but they will be uh, our official partners. They will be on the website. I will update that. Um, I don't know. It's just super cool to have actual partners, you know, right now. Um, I don't really have too much else to say about it right now, besides that I can actually announce the partner's name, the, the partner's names are now. Um, but yeah, so that's exciting. Big thank you to them, both Race Porter and Tone uh, for that. So, you know, we will... You'll hear more about him in the coming weeks. I will get official words to put out for you, and that will be that. But now you can take your sadness as we prepare to talk about the Seahawks and the first day of free agency. Um, I do have some things to address before we get into the first day of free agency. Um, just starting off with the team notes, there are no injuries to report. Obviously, no games to report. Uh, the team will not franchise tag. They did not franchise tag. Uh, running back Chris Carson or Shaquille Griffin, the team kind of stays away from the franchise tag in general in recent years, at least. Uh, the report was that the team is working to retain Shaquille Griffin in free agency. Uh, but a report came out um, a little bit later this week, uh, later in the week, that the Seahawks and Shaquille Griffin are not in the same ballpark on a contract. Um, so with that being said, and uh, all things considered, how how do we feel about how is our confidence level in bringing back Shaq Griffin? Because I have seen that uh, Cleveland, the Cleveland Browns have interest in Shaquille. Um, and obviously with Seattle not being in the same ballpark, air quotes, uh, as Shaq, how, how are we feeling about that? Let's start with Bennett, uh, Bennett first, because I said Omari's name first when we started up. Despite that being arbitrary, I do um, appreciate it. And, <laughs> and I, I, I think that it's – I'd like to say I felt – I think I felt better about it before I heard those comments because I knew they were looking at getting him back. Not because I have, like, an inside source. I think I just had a, a good gut feeling about it. And, you know, they had actually already um, – well, I just, like, went through poverty, like puberty in that sentence – um, I, I, I knew that there was mutual interest and I knew that there was like, uh, yeah, again, that mutual interest to get a re-signing done and restructure that contract to make it work for both the team and for Shaq. But once this comment came out and to learn they weren't in the same ballpark, kind of confirmed my fears that Shaq wasn't going to take a team friendly deal, which is fine because I think it's perfectly fine for him to get out there and get the bag where he wants to get the bag. But the fact that it's not here does bum me out a little bit. So my confidence is pretty low. I don't think he'll come back because I don't think 
if the Seahawks are truly going to make a move in the free agency, which I'm hoping and praying that they, they do, that means that most likely Shaq won't be a part of that. And you, Omari? Yeah, no, I kind of agree with Ben, but also I just don't feel like that's where the team's at right now, where they feel like they need to do that. Mm. And honestly, I, I don't think that's a necessary piece. I think it would really be nice to have him come back to the team. I definitely think he's – it would definitely be possible to replace him for a, a cheaper option maybe. But, yeah, I don't see the team budging on a price, especially if they're not even in the same ballpark, like even they're not even around the same price. And the thing about that, when it comes to players wanting to get paid, it's like it's okay to take a pay cut when you know you have a chance of, like, going somewhere. Like, you see that a lot with uh, with some of the Bucks players right now, like Shaquille Barry. He definitely could have got a lot more money going somewhere else. Hmm. But, you know, when you know you're actually going somewhere, it's okay. It's like, okay, I want to win. So I'm okay with getting paid slightly less. But it's like he's in a situation where we're not even winning. So it's like, what are you getting paid less for? Yeah. Well, so uh, he has no casual fans will say team. that we won 12 games. <laughs> they sure will. And no, I mean, both of you bring good arguments to the uh, to the table here. It's uh, I don't know. It's just it's just interesting because I've I've liked Shaq, and I would like to. I say Shaq, but they're both both him and Shaquem are technically Shaq in a way. Um, I like Shaquille, you know, and I'd like to have him back. But I'm really interested to see what kind of money he wants because he hasn't always been the most consistent guy. And if you remember. Though that early, uh, that first half of the season, he wasn't always the shutdown guy, you know. So uh, I don't know. I'm at the end of the day, he's in the NFL and he can make these decisions for himself and go get paid where he wants to because obviously I'm assuming there's a market for him. Um, and you know, at least the way I see it, the Browns are getting better, and I'm sure that adding some key pieces and free agency will only help them. Um, I don't know. I'm just interested to see more where his, where the money he gets lands, you know, what kind of pay he's going to get. Um, so we'll see. I mean, it'd be, it'd be nice to bring him back, but we'll see if that uh, we have the facilities for that. Um, speaking about money, the NFL salary cap is set at $102.5 million, which is an 8% decrease from last year. Obviously some, uh, Pandemic obviously had an impact on that. Uh, the Seahawks will get no compensatory picks this year. To they, they'll, they won't get any aid uh, in the draft capital uh, department. Already being low on picks this year, and we get to everybody's least favorite part of the CL Seahawks segment of this podcast: Russell Wilson news. <sighs> okay, here we go. Let's start it, boys. The Seahawks are waiting for a big offer, in air quotes. The franchise is reportedly willing to trade Wilson to a desperate team that would offer a king's ransom. Please note that these are all headlines that I get and see this is not uh, coming from Russell's mouth or the team's mouth. These are just reports, and quite frankly, you know, some of these reports have been shown to be completely false, like Josina Anderson saying that the team is actively shopping Russell Wilson and then backtracking and saying that, no, that's not the case at all. They're just picking up the phone when teams are calling. It, you know. Uh, second point is that the Bears will reportedly take a big swing to try and acquire Wilson, which would make sense because he'd be far and away their best quarterback in franchise history. Um, 
Seattle was evaluating the offensive line for Russell. The team was looking for an offensive lineman to keep Russell happy. That was a uh, headline on Saturday. It is Monday, and that's proven to be false. Uh, then a report came out that Seattle is not in big capital letters shopping Wilson. The team is reportedly listening to phone calls but have yet to reciprocate interest. And then the cherry on top for the week uh, was that from the New York Daily News that Pete Carroll reportedly has a high opinion of Sam Darnold amid the Russell Wilson buzz. So, well, before I ask my question to you guys, uh, and I told Bennett this, I saw this. There was also a tweet that was put out that uh, said that Pete Carroll also had high interest, no, high opinion of Charlie Whitehurst, clipboard Jesus. So, you know, I don't know how uh, confident I am in Pete Carroll's quarterback scouting ability. Uh, but what, where do you stand on the Russell Wilson rumors and, tr- and news this offseason? Are you just, are we kind of feeling done with it? Is it just, you know, are you just being dragged through it at this point? How, how are we feeling? Uh, let's go with Omari first here. Honestly, I feel like the way the teams are acting, they're not giving Russ any real reason to stay. I feel like we're really disrespecting Russ as a player with like the actions and the things that are coming about. And it's just like, I feel like Russ is a player where he deserves the respect that they're just not giving him. Like even like that Sam Darnold news coming out, like why? Why does that need to even be said right now? Like you got your guy. It's about whether or not you're going to do what you need to do to keep your guy. And it's like, there's no reason not to, I feel like. Because at the end of the day, Russ is a guy that we know we can win with. Mm -hmm. And he's just asking for something that any quarterback would want. (laughs) Like, he just wants to not get, want to be the most sacked player ever. He just wants to be protected so we can make plays and win games. Mm -hmm. And I I feel like the fact that we didn't see... Oh, no, go ahead. I think the fact that we didn't see any, like, movement from the Seahawks, like, the team at all about grabbing any linemen today really just shows, like, do you guys really even care about Russ? Like, do you guys even care? Like, if you guys cared, there was a bunch of good players on the table today at that position that they could have picked up and we didn't see any movement towards at all. So maybe there's something we're not seeing. Like, maybe there's a lot going on behind the scenes. There probably is. You know, we're just – you know, we're not we're not in the front office. We're not there. We're not players. We're not seeing what's going on. But it just seems like they're not respecting Russ and his time or his skill or what he brings to the team. And the thing that makes me mad is, like, the Bears are really, like, saying that they won him. And I'm not seeing no reason why he's, like, you know, like, he could be, like, yeah, let's go to Chicago. This team actually, like, wants me and, like, they're actually, like, might make moves towards his actual interests. You know, instead we're hearing rumors like, oh, yeah, Pete Carroll has real interest in like Sam Darnold. Like, why? <laughs> why is that even news coming about? Like, why are you even talking about another quarterback like that? Mm-hmm. You know, it would be different if it was like in that. You know, who you see people do that like that? You see, you see, uh, like the Packers when they drafted Jordan Love. Like that. That was weird. That was disrespectful to Aaron Rodgers. And now look where they where they are. You know can't agree on, like, they made mistakes in the playoffs and couldn't get nowhere because of it, you know? So, it's like, that quarterback and, like, coach dynamic is really important. And you don't often – I don't think you ever see anybody win where they're not, like, in sync. It's been a know? while, yeah. 
so the fact that they're not in sync like this and you see stuff like Pete Carroll saying, talking about Sam Darnold, it's like, bro, what are you doing? Because even if we do keep rest, I feel like that energy is still going to be there. We're like, well, you know, I kind of like Sam Darnold. Like, we could have got Sam Darnold. Like, why? Yeah. But, uh, yeah, no. It does, uh, to your point, it doesn't really make sense. Yeah, no, I, I don't I don't really understand it either. I, I have no answers for you. Bennett? Well, I don't know. Big, big sigh. I'm just getting tired. I just want, I just I, I'd almost know for a fact, I don't know if this was a fever dream or something, but I did see some tweets that were like, they're pretty much gearing up for Wilson to be here next season, no matter what. They're in like, they're going to restructure his contract soon. I saw that, yeah. Um, and that pretty much reaffirms the no trading, because why would you restructure someone's contract to trade? Uh, then again, they did restructure Taysom Hill's contract just to sign Jameis Winston. <laughs> but I don't think we're there yet. I will say when Drew Brees announced his retirement, I did flinch a little bit. I did go, oh shit. <laughs> I was like, oh no. <laughs> this this could be a pretty good exit for Russell. Um, but I, I don't think that's the case. I think it's just like I think it's it's all it's all like yellow sports journalism, you know what I mean? It's all that like sensationalist headlines with no real basis there's no real basis to any of the claims that i think a lot of these journalists are making and i think a lot of them are just to blow smoke up like the seattle sports fans butts to get them reading their articles like we've been saying for the past oh i don't know month at this point mm-hmm. the darnold thing i think is nothing quite honestly yeah i don't know how trustworthy new york daily is. you also know like pete carroll holds it's carson wentz and i mean we know he holds carson wentz in high regard it doesn't matter like he holds these quarterbacks in high regard just because he just says it. Charlie Whitehurst. It doesn't matter. Like, just because I hold, just because I particularly like Cam Newton doesn't mean I want him to come to Seattle. But he can dab. It was a weird, that was I a think weird, a weird, time was a weird choice because I don't really like say. him. I don't think so. I don't think so. I think literally you could say anything as a member of the Seahawks front offense or Russell Wilson or any fucking player. Um, and like, you'd you'd get there'd be a whole article written about you. If I was like, say Doug Baldwin, and I said every Batman has their Robin, I just posted it on Twitter. You'd see thirty <laughs> fucking people write articles about it in the next thirty minutes, being like, Doug Baldwin, Batman, Doug Baldwin says Russell Wilson's Robin. It's like shut up, no one cares. Like none of this shit's true, Russell Wilson. I'd say it's probably going to be on the team next year. Is it worrying? Yeah. But that's because they want you to think it's worrying. So you click their update on it in 20 days when they're like, Russell Wilson signs with this, does something with his contract. Who gives a shit? It's stupid and it's irritating. And I would kind of like this saga to be done because it's, it shouldn't be humiliating to see the journalists do this because honestly, that is journalism at the end of the day. That is journalism. Um, you you do what you can to make money because at the end of the day, it is business. Just like anything else in life, it's a business. If I were an actor and I got offered a crappy role that paid a lot, I'd still take it because it's money. Unless, of course, it had like offensive content. But like, if it was just like, oh, you play Prince Sugarbottom in this My Little Pony sequel, I'd be like, how much is it? How much are you talking? 25k episode? Got it. 
I'm on. We're doing it. Mm-hmm. Print sugar, print so sugar bottom. That is your new title here. <laughs> Great. But like, it's just, it's a business. The journalists have to do what they need to do to make money. So it's not bad journalism because obviously we're fucking talking about it. Yeah. But like, it's, it's easily been the story of the offseason. I just wish it wasn't. I wish the story was what are the Seahawks going to do to make become a winning team next season? But instead, it's how are the Seahawks going to retain their best player, which is just a, a bad place to be as a team. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm just tired of it. Once I saw the Josina Anderson thing, where she said that they were trading, they were shopping him, and then doubled back and said that they weren't even advocating interest, I was like, okay, this is just smoke. Because then there's all these clowns, and yes, clowns. I know it's journalism, but come on. You know, the, I don't remember what his name was. He had a funny haircut. And he goes, where well, there's smoke, there's fire. And there's a lot of fire. And it's like, no, this is all just smoke. It's all just smoke. You know, I mean, it's just ridiculous at this point. And obviously, today's lack of anything doesn't help. Um, Taking into account everything that's happened with Russell saying that he would like better protection. That's what he said. He didn't say, he didn't go out and say, oh, man, George Fant really sucked when he was here. I hated playing with him or anything like that. He said, I want better protection. And, I mean, if you look at his sack numbers, it makes sense. It's not a bad thing. Offensive line has been the thing that's been clamored for for years in Seattle. Years. And anybody that's been a fan here knows that. Um, So when Russell came out and he said, I want better protection, I didn't flinch about it. I didn't say, oh, how, how dare Russell Wilson say that? Evil man. I was like, no, that makes sense. And I agree. We have a whole left guard and center right now. Let's go and do something about it. And at, to this point, at March 15th, they have not done anything about it. Mikey Pye retired. They didn't re-sign Ethan Pochich. Um, yeah, they've done nothing about it. So I don't really understand where all the thing where it says, Russell's whining. Or Russell, you know, I don't get it where they're making him to be this diva. Or the crap about people think Sierra is saying something. So stupid. You know, it's just people... That's so stupid. I don't get why everybody's so upset about Russell saying something and coming out and saying something publicly. Especially something that's been an issue in Seattle for years. Like, if if we go back to 2016, would you tell me that the line was good? No. Would you go 2017? No. 18? No. 19? Okay, then we're seeing a trend here, aren't we? So, you know, I just even even the Super Bowl line was Russell Okun the best left tackle in the league that year. Let's let's look at the line. Russell Okun, Jeff Sweezy, Max Unger. Max Unger is pretty good. I'll give you that. Max Unger. What? Who the hell is Jeff Sweezy? J.R. Sweezy. I say Jeff. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yeah. The point is. It's just I don't I I at this point I don't understand where the complaining about Russell uh, saying that he's a diva or that he complains or he's whining I don't get it where is that coming from people just don't like that he said something I think we're far and away from well you know what it is and this is the same issue we've talked about on this pod a couple of times but it's these old school Seahawks fans 
who like grew up the team in the seventies, and I'm not I'm not painting with a broad brush here because I do understand there are some fans who are quote unquote older. I mean, who understand how football works and can be frustrated just as much as we are. But there are these guys who are like, I was around and we were only winning three games a season when we had, oh, I don't know, fucking Rick Myrer or something. Oh, God. So it's like... You know, he got traded to Chicago. Hey, you know, I think he's an equal talent to Russell Wilson. Yes. Uh, number one overall pick from Notre Dame, Rick Myrer, the GOAT, both wore number three. Yes. Um, I'm seeing a trend here. I'm seeing a trend here, except Rick Meyer, I believe, threw 11 interceptions in his first season and, like, six touchdowns. And we traded for the rights to, like, Sean Springs and um, I think Walter Jones. Yeah, we used to have that really bad – well, Walter Jones, of course. But, like, we used to have that really bad quarterback carousel in Seattle. Yeah. Glad we got out of those days. And you know what? Russell is why we got out of those days. So enough with this whole diva shit. We're in the NFL now. We're in today's NFL. The year 2021 NFL is a lot different than 2000 NFL, and it's a hell of a lot different than 1976 NFL. People are allowed to show emotion, first off, other than, oh, I'm angry. Um, they're allowed to also be like, hi, I'd like to be safe. <laughs> I'd like to not hi. get hit, please. Hi, I'd like to not have CTE when I retire. Hi, I'd like to not get like, I don't think Russell Wilson anything. came to the, the front office and said, I get hit too fucking much. I don't. I, no, he was I, probably I could like, never see that. He's like, guys, he's probably like, hi, I'm getting hit a lot. Can we change it? I'll Pete restructure Carole, my Pete, contract. Pete Carroll with gum in his mouth said no. He said no. No, nah, hey, we're gonna we're gonna look at something else. Yeah, we're gonna look at something else. But like, I just I think it's these old ass football fans who just think we're still in the seventies, like where it's well, all. Well, and then it's the thing where like macho said, macho man who ain't gonna take talk shit. They're just gonna get hit all the time. You know what with I mean? the the three games, winning three games, it's, it's the same thing with the complacent. Oh, we won twelve. We won twelve and four this year. You should be real grateful. It's like no, there there's always exactly. It's it's the same complex. Wanting to get better, you're not winning. It's like if we won the Super Bowl like two years ago or a year ago, and we you know we had the season we did this year, I wouldn't probably be complaining as much. Yeah, but considering the failure to get out of the second round since. Uh, Malcolm Butler, uh, I you know there's reason to complain. You haven't gotten over that second. You have not won a divisional round game since Super Bowl Forty Nine uh, that season. You have not. So there's obviously a reason you're not. You know you get to these wild card games. You play Detroit. You know, uh, yeah. I think you made a good point. A lot of these guys just started kind of their mindset kind of stuck in the past. Um, and obviously we're not in the past right now. So, um, speaking about things in the past and leaving them behind, there will be no virtual draft this year. We won't see coaches and GMs at their home. Uh, the NFL will allow teams back in their war rooms with social distancing and masks. So we won't see Seahawks in the first round unless they do something, like some sort of trade. But I, I hey, Russell Wilson. Hey, shut it. Um. I mean, wait, just theoretically, though, if they did trade Russell Wilson to the Bears, I feel like they would get that. Would the okay, Omari is muted. First? <laughs> uh, yeah, so we got a, what, we get a second round pick? Woo! Yeah. Uh, really wonder, yeah, no, and to go back to that, I really wonder, you know, we when Omari said we don't know what they're doing, I, I want to know what they're doing. I would like to really, like, be able to peek in at, like, John Schneider's little notebook and see what the plan is because I, I don't understand. I don't. 
Um, I remember. I think it was earlier today where the everyone's looking at the Chiefs because they kept their two uh, linemen that were out during the Super Bowl. And everyone's like, what are they doing? And then they immediately signed some new linemen. Uh, and it's just like, wow, it must be such nice to like to be a Chiefs fan and have such like security in your team's front office. But Amari, they them? always say that they're gonna compete and that they're gonna always have their feet in everything. Oh yeah, we got we get trust in Pete Carroll. Trust everything. Trust in Pete Carroll, yard. Remember when we were gonna sign Johnny Smith? <laughs> I remember. Terrible. Uh, speaking about signing, uh, the protected cap space that we have right now sits at twenty million dollars, six hundred uh, twenty million two hundred fifty-four thousand one hundred twenty-five. Maybe they'll use that one hundred twenty-five. Sorry, what? Twenty million six hundred fifty-four thousand one hundred twenty-five. Twenty million six hundred fifty thousand. No. Twenty-five minutes. Maybe the Seahawks will use the one hundred twenty-five dollars in alignment. Maybe. Maybe. Um, or and then, they'll go to GameStop and get like Uncharted 3 three times. <laughs> they'll give that to Russell. They'll say, here, <laughs> this will keep you busy. Don't have to worry about getting hit. Uh, and then the only sort of rumor I have for signings this week, which probably won't matter, is that Seattle is expected to show interest in wide receiver John Ross. Yay. Oh, yeah, I saw that. I saw we that. also lost Carlos Hyde. We lost Carlos Hyde and we lost Philip Dorsett. Philip Dorsett, who did not play a single game this last year. Oh, no. That's so legend. terrible for the team. Seahawks, yeah. Seahawks legend, legend, Philip Dorsett. So uh, the dunce cap of the week goes to the Seattle Seahawks. Yeah, sure it does. Okay, let's get away from that dumpster fire and let's get to the most successful team in Seattle. The Storm? No, not yet. Not yet. We're going to go to the guys who play the bees ball, Seattle Mariners. Oh, the other dumpster fire across the Hey, street. now. Hey, now. At least this dumpster fire. <laughs> right? He said successful. This dumpster fire has hope for the future. All right. I don't oh, know what they're doing across the street. Um, Where was I? Oh, I mean, there's the. I mean, I don't. Do you have it? I. Oh, God. I need to look at the note sheet. What? What are you talking about? Oh, you I was going to say the opening day news. No, I'm the one doing it. <laughs> I have to get through the game recaps. Oh, for spring training, right. Mm, dork. Um, Bennett derailed me. All right, March 9th versus the Kansas City Royals. They won a game, 6-3. The player of the game was LJ Newsom with zero earned runs over three innings pitched. Uh, oh, my goodness. Oh, Ty France, as honorable mentioned, with two hits, uh, with a homer, two runs, two RBIs, and one walk. Uh, on the 10th of March, they lost to the Texas Rangers 17-5. to No play of the game. Sad trombone instead. March 11th at the LA Dodgers, they tied 4-4. to Play of the game was Eric Filia with one hit and one RBI. Versus the Cincinnati Reds on the 12th of March, they won 4-3. to Your player of the game will be Tom Murphy with one hit and one run. Yay. Uh, March 13th at the Colorado Rockies, they lost 2-1. to one. The play of the game was Jansen White with one hit, was a one homer, and one home run. Versus the Milwaukee Brewers, they won 5-4 to four on the 14th of March. And your player of the game for that game will be Joey Gerber with the save and two strikeouts. Uh, and then on the 15th of March versus the Diamondbacks, they lost 6-2. to two. I will give player of the game to LJ Newsom. 
for his one earned run over 3.2 innings pitch. But I will deduct the I will deduct one point away from him because he spells his name L J, just how it sounds. Uh, so now we will get into the actual news, even though Bennett cut me off so rudely, oh. terrible. Uh, just for that, you will go second in the pitcher pitchers and catchers report. That's okay with me. Um, pitchers and catchers report. Um, as Bennett pointed out to me, we don't really have a um, proven relief. No, proven closer right now, which is kind of an issue. But um, we're not going to worry about closers right now. I'm going to get to the six-man rotation. Uh, I currently have Marco Gonzalez at the one spot, Mr. Boring himself. Uh, Marco is highlighted by his career uh, 4.09 ERA uh, with a 3.1 last year uh, and a 69.2% strike percentage. Uh, Marco tends to rely on his his cutter at 84 miles per hour, his fastball at 89, not that fast of a fastball, but if it works, it works. His sinker at 89, his curve at 76, and a changeup at 81 miles per hour. I have James Paxton, Big Maple, at my second spot with a 3.58 career ERA and a 3.82 uh, in his last real season of 2019 because, as Bennett pointed out, he was kind of injured last year. Um, James relies on his sinker at 92 miles per hour, his fastball at 93, his knuckle curve at 80, his cutter at 86, and his changeup at 82. I have Justice, Justice Sheffield at my third spot um, with a 3.58 ERA in 2020, so better. He's still young, so he's got time to improve. Uh, Justice relies on his sinker at 92 miles per hour, his slider at 82 miles per hour. Uh, he throws in a changeup at uh, 86, and he rarely throws a forcing fastball at 93, which is interesting to see that he doesn't, he just kind of leaves that alone. Um, after talking to Bennett, this number four spot is kind of questionable, and I'm not exactly sure how I feel about it. I have Chris Flexen at the four. Um, Chris Flexen has not had the best MLB career to this point, but he did have an eight and four season with the Doosan Bears of Korea last year. Korea, right, Bennett? Yeah, Korea. Yeah. Um, That's where uh, Ryan Healy currently is. Oh, yes. Former Mariners legend, first baseman, Ryan Healy. Uh, Chris Flexen relies on his fastball at 95 miles per hour, so he's got a decent heater. Uh, he has a slider at 88, a changeup at 84, and rarely throws his curve at 78 or his sinker at 95. So That was a lie. Ryan Healy's playing for the Eagles. My bad. How dare you lie to me. Um, probably, now that I think about it, I moved Justin Dunn up to the four, but uh, I have Justin Dunn at the five. Uh, he relies on his fastball at 91, his curve at 80 and mixes in a slider and changeup at 83 and 81, respectfully. Uh, I have Yusei Kikuchi rounding up our six-man rotation, six-man, because that's how the Mariners are doing it. Why? I don't know. Um, Yusei tends to rely on his cutter at 92, his fastball at 95, while mixing in a slider at 83 and a changeup at 87. To this point, my bullpen's a little confusing. I'm, I'm not really sure how I stand up the bullpen, uh, ben and I talked about it a little bit before Mari, Omari joined so we could start. Um, the bullpen said... I don't have the most confidence in the bullpen right now. I have Nick Margavicious, Kendall Graveman, Keenan Middleton, Anthony Mashevitz, and LJ Newsom rounding out my 
bullpen, but I might have LJ higher than that list just because of the outings he's had in spring training. Um, oof. Yeah. Um, that's how it stands right now. I really don't, you know, some of the pitching outings in spring training haven't been the best for me. Uh, I will save catchers for after Bennett does his pitchers report. Uh, Bennett, take it away with your pitchers. So, yeah, I'm going to do an abbreviated one. I, I don't really have a prediction for our starting day bullpen. I know, uh, I don't know if you mentioned these guys, but I know Mishavitz, did I pronounce that right? Mishavitz, Mishavitz. Damn it, Mishavitz. Nah, Mishavitz. Amari, we're going to have you start doing baseball. <laughs> Mishavitz and Graveman are supposed to be, oh, supposedly no. be, our, uh, our setups for Montero or Closer. So that gets three out of the way. So there's my hot takes. That's just what is suspected to be our bottom late relievers and our, our middle to relievers and uh, long-term relievers could be anyone on the team right now, quite honestly. I, I do like LJ Newsom just because he's been having a nice spring training and, and I wouldn't mind seeing him get called up or not even called up. I wouldn't mind seeing him get the starting day bullpen uh, opening day bullpen now let's talk about rotation uh yeah the six-man rotation is kind of funky I, I don't know why you know whatever uh but i i'd say that i'd agree my boy marco's gotta be miss senor boring himself has got to be number one uh dude had an amazing season last season he had a very underappreciated season i think it's probably because it was an abbreviated season and it's because the mariners so we don't really pick out the bright spots we usually just focus on how bad we are but marco gonzalez had a great season 3.10 era i think he had an eight and two win loss ratio and just overall pretty damn good season and uh i think he's becoming more and more of a like established ace in the league and I think he's somebody that other teams are going to now start looking at as an actual threat on the mound, <clears throat> which is nice because if you look at our pitching rotation the last couple of years, ever since Felix's big fall, um, Paxton was like our last big threat on the mound. And which leads me to my number two, James Paxton. I think James Paxton is a pretty good pick to be the guy on the mound who's like a supporting cast to Gonzalez. I I think that that might not even be fair to say because he could have a major resurgence because he is that good. If we look at his seasons, I mean, his seasons aren't anything to spit at. The dude's had a good career in the NFL. Uh, the issue is last season he was injured. If you look at 2019 for the Yankees, um, had a pretty decent season, 15-6. and six not bad i think that's his record for all-time wins he had a uh, 3.8 era so just under that four but not terrible i think that's pretty on par with his career era um i think that's below his career era even so actually it's a shade over i just looked it up but I suspect him to have a decent season this year. Nothing lights out. Nothing quite like Gonzalez. I'm interested to see how Gonzalez does in a non-abbreviated season. Let's see if he can carry on the success. But our number two guy is definitely Paxton. Uh, three, Justice Sheffield. Nothing really to say there. Had a decent season last year. Had a decent season before that. I'd like to see him continue to build. Four is also where it gets murky for me. The depth chart on the Mariners list right now, uh, MLB.com, whatever, so on and so forth, does put Flexen at our number four. I don't think Chris Flexen deserves to even be in our starting rotation. <laughs> Let's make that 
very clear. I think Margovicius, Margovicius, uh, whatever. Margovicius has a better record in his career to make a starting place on our team more than Chris Flexen does. And I think Margovicius is listed as a starting pitcher as well. He could play starting pitcher this year. I Did he last year? Yeah, here and there. So I think he could be there for us this year. If the Chris Flexen experiment fails, because it is an experiment, let's be really clear, clear here. Um, the KBO is no slump. The KBO is an intense league. It's just like the MLB. It's just like the uh, Japanese Baseball League, which is escaping my mind right now. There's a reason we get players from these leagues. But Chris Flexen, I think, is an interesting case study because you look at his two seasons with the Mets. God awful. <laughs> like, really bad. Chuck, there's one season, what, with a 12.94 ERA? Yeah. 12.94. So Chris Flexen is a bad pitcher in America so far. He went to Korea, had a pretty lights out season. Let's see if he can carry over. I'd say maybe Chris Flexen is our number four guy for the first couple weeks. If he just bombs and busts, then maybe we see Margovicius return to our uh, rotation. Kikuchi and Dunn are pretty equal in talent. I'd say Sheffield, Kikuchi, and Dunn are all pretty similar in skill level. And uh, the rotation really just comes down to who you're playing that day, how you want to build your rotation for the week, so on and so forth. Um, I'd say Dunn is a brighter spot because he's younger and we could we could form him into a good pitcher. I think he's got some good speed behind some of his uh, pitches there too. Um, and I, I'd, I'd like to see him improve. Kikuchi, I texted Chuck this earlier today. I was like, is it too early to call Kikuchi a bust? Because, boy, have his last two seasons just not been great. Uh, he's been having an okay spring training. I'd like to see him go out there and prove that he was worth, you know, taking him into the team. Uh, but so far, he just hasn't done that for me. I'd hate to call him a bust. Um, but if he can't turn things around, it he's going to be hard to root for to continue to have a spot on this team. But I mean, you know, with the extra coaching, I think with 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 the pitching coaches, if they can turn that ship around, if they can write that ship, then of course, you know, all these pitchers should have an uptick in production. I would like to comment that the <laughs> the bullpen situation, especially with closer, is pretty alarming. It it it's like it's a pretty big red flag to get a guy who's only pitched one season as a closer, maybe two, uh, on your team. He, Rafael Montero, proved to be a decent, hard-throwing closer last season. Um, got he gets a good amount of strikeouts, which is nice because I mean, I mean that's kind of what you want in a closer. Duh, that's when you want to have a pitcher. But. I just I'm concerned that if he is not available to be a closer, what do you do? Because even when we had Edwin Diaz, we had Alex Colomay to come out there just in case. You know what I mean? So that's a little alarming. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, I didn't realize how dire that situation, the whole bullpen situation was until we kind of looked at it. Um, I'm not quite sure what the plan is right now, but um, I am not Jerry DePoto. I am not making the moves here. 
and I will let him continue to do so. As we move to the catcher's report, um, I'm catcher's an interesting position. Sure is. With, uh, I mean, you've got Tom Murphy, who's not exactly, you know, he's not ready to retire yet, but he's not exactly, you know, fresh out the gate. Um, I mean, he's only 29, right? Yeah. Uh, in, two, he had a, in 2019, he had 273 uh, average. Um, given he was granted and he was injured in 2020, sorry. And he's got career 0.987 fielding percentage, which isn't horrible, you know, obviously, you know, it's not crap, but um, I don't know. He's, he hasn't exactly proven to be just, you know, far and away great. I mean, he spent some time with the Rockies uh, in 2018. Um, I don't know. He, he's just not somebody that, necessarily jumps off the uh he doesn't jump off of the page for me you know but i think at this point in time he's probably your most experienced guy obviously i mean he's spent he's been in the league since 2015 spending 2015 through 2018 with colorado um but in none of those seasons has he gone over 280 i mean his best season has been 2016 and it's a tie with 2019 and 2016, with a 273 average, um, so I don't know. It's uh, I'm not overly enjoyed about Tom Murphy, but he's probably your guy at this point in time. Uh, Luis Torrens, uh, after the trade with the Padres last year, he had a three point a point three two three average with the Mariners, which is solid. But again, abbreviated season, as Bennett kind of talked about, with abbreviated seasons. Um, he's got a career fielding percentage of 0.996. So Torrent isn't a bad option, but I mean, it's, it's, it'll be interesting to see what he does with a full season. Um, obviously it's going to be difficult for people to get back to being adjusted to a full 182, Ooh, 182, 162 game season, um, after the 60, but I don't know. I'm not, I'm not closing the door at all on Torrance. Obviously he's young. So I'm not going to close the door on him, but I'm, I'm intrigued by him after that good, uh, good second half of the season last year. Um, and then Cal Raleigh is a guy that uh, there's been a lot of excitement about him. He's obviously been a guy. Uh, he's a Mariners number eight prospect. Um, and then his last, last year uh, of 2019 uh, in the minor league, he led the minor league, uh, minor league, all minor league catchers with 29 home runs. So the power is there but that was in double a Arkansas. So it's, it'll be interesting to see, uh, you know, not playing against triple a guys. Um, there's a transition he's going to have to make, or if he's even going to need to make that transition, considering that Evan white uh, never played against triple a uh, pitching and he's getting better. Obviously I'm not going to say he's an a, you know, an a list hitter right now, but I mean, he, he won a gold glove. So, I mean, I think Bennett said it before we started this, you know, when you're a catcher, your entire job's not focused around hitting. Um, Cal Raleigh, I don't know. I don't really want to pick favorites, but I, I think I might have, I think I might go Tom Murphy at my number one spot just because he's got the experience. Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. Oh, no, you're good. Uh, I was just going to say, I think there's no need to really rush some of these problems. yeah no yeah yeah i might be sounding a little mathery here and i'd hate to but i'm like, there buddy 
we don't I say that name anymore. I don't feel like the, maybe Depoto. We. Uh, I just yeah. I don't feel like there's a need to rush some of these guys in quite yet because you I mean you got Murphy, you got Torres. Yeah, it's not like it's like if we didn't have Murphy right now, then you'd probably have to do that. Right. You know? But yeah, go ahead. I and I I'd agree with. Go ahead and finish your list. Oh, I was just gonna say uh, I'd have Raleigh above Raleigh. I mean, wow, Raleigh above Torrens right now just because of the excitement he's generated. I'm um, obviously being the number eight prospect. I mean, I'm obviously he's doing something right. Um, but I, I would say Lewis Torrens is far behind, just because I mean, if he is able to continue his success that he's had at the second half of the season in 2020. Uh, I think he might push both of those guys a little bit um, because, I mean, it's not like Tom Murphy is far and away, you know, he's, he's got this incredible job security. He's not like completely locked down, but um, I'd, I'd say right now he's got the advantage. So I'd say I've got Murphy, Raleigh, Torrens uh, in my, in, in order right now. Yeah. Raleigh, um, I think a lot of people are suspecting him to come in 2021. A lot of people are suspecting to get called up. And mm, uh, I don't know. I mean, he had a good, he had a really great fall, fall ball season, right? And he's like, he's developing a rapport with the pitching staff. This is straight out of the prospects list. Um summary but that's important for a, a catcher of course because like we said their entire job isn't just based around being a batter like uh, just like anybody in baseball because you're also a defensive player unless you're a designated hitter then you're the guy to hit so you know rally it, like, he can be that guy i just don't think we need to rush him to be that guy we rushed evan white was that a good decision at the end of the day yes is it a gamble with risk Yes. Uh, the gamble being you call him up too early, he doesn't get a chance to develop, and he's a major league dud. We don't want that. <laughs> we don't want that. That would suck. So I, I think he'll probably stick around in the minors for maybe a majority this year. Maybe he could come in late. This is What about the league. alternate site? The alternate site? What is that? You don't remember that from last year? No. Oh, it was like uh, they, play, they didn't have a um, – minor league season last year right um so they had a bunch of guys like kelnick down at the uh rainier's facility playing sim games and basically just getting in scrimmages against oh them. right yeah okay but that that'll be delayed a month i think um and i think the aren't the rainiers playing a season aren't they yeah pretty sure they're good to go this year <laughs> yeah so i don't know he could be that guy. He just doesn't need to be that guy right now. Yeah. And I think it's because we have Murphy. If we were stuck with just Torrens, then eek, we'd probably want another guy out there. Uh, it, it's also good to note that Torrens, I mean, he's like barely younger than uh, Murphy as well. I think there's like a, there's a, there's a five-year age gap, but there's a two-year vet gap. You know what I mean? Like, Torrens has only been in the league two years less than Murphy. So they're both pretty experienced guys who's been in the league for a while. However, Murphy does have the better batting average. He does have the better stats um, as of lately. So I I wouldn't mind seeing Raleigh come in later. 
Does he have to? No. Would it be nice? Yes. Because I don't... Torrens doesn't exactly in, in instill confidence in our catching position, and it's nice to have more than one catcher. Um, we did a we did do with a long time with just Zunino, so I mean it's possible, but I mean you never know in the MLB. Mike Z, Mike Z, who hit a dinger in the World Series. Sigh. Um. So that's pitchers and catchers. Um, I guess you could say for this group, well, yeah, this this week of the um, overview as we've got infield next week and then we end up rounding it out um, in the final week before opening day uh, without field. Um, I think there's more excitement in those two. But, you know, we get what we get and we're not going to complain about it right now. Um, hey, and at the end of the day, this is spring training right now. Any of these guys that we just listed or we talked about could surprise us. So um, getting into the rest of the Mariners news, the Mariners will be changing their leadership structure uh, in the wake of uh, Icky Icky Man. Uh, Jerry Depoto will handle all baseball aspects and report to ownership. The new president, when uh, they get hired, will handle front office and business as well as report to ownership. Uh, Kevin Mather will no longer have his ownership stake with the Mariners. John Stanton said that there are negotiations that are going on right now for a severance package for him. Um, Fucking why? What? I don't make the rules here. Um, this is going to be irrelevant news as there's news about him later. Uh, but George Kirby joined the Mariners MLB camp. George Kirby is obviously one of the exciting pitching prospects for the Mariners. Keep note of that. Remember that I just said George Kirby got called up to the MLB camp. Um the next part of the news, the Mariners will have at max 9,000 fans in the stands for the opening series. Uh, very exciting. Um, it's, it's, uh, to me, that was one of the bigger signs that we were kind of getting back to normal. And my question to both of you is, uh, will you attend a game, at least one game this year? Fuck yeah. <laughs> and it's installing very uh, vulgar confidence. Oh, fuck yeah. Okay. Okay. You said the F word. Good amount. Thank you. Omar is not as excited. Hell yeah. He lives in Chicago. Okay, but will he not be back in the summer? No, I think I'll definitely give baseball another chance. Okay. Well, we'll have a podcast uh, day at the ballpark, so it'll be mandatory. Go see our fans. Good yeah, we'll have our own section. I'll buy you guys tickets. Yeah. Will you um, buy one of those things? It's like welcome, circling. Yeah, sale. there we go. I'll get one of the. Trek's actually going to give a pitch at one of the games to start off the game. Oh yeah, opening pitch from uh, podcast extraordinaires. Yeah, watch Omari have like one of those ones where it just goes completely to the side. I'm so scared of that. Like, actually, <laughs> you're like in front cents? of an entire stadium, let alone oh the God, people that fuck. watch at home or Twitter. And then all of a sudden, the ball goes sideways. Yeah, but what if you throw, like, a perfect sidearm sinker? Then they're like... They're like, oh, my God. Tell Chris Flexen he's going back to Doosan. Let's sign this guy. Yeah, you get... Jerry Depoto comes down from his box or something. He says, hey, buddy, you want to play a real ball? Um... Okay, getting away from the jokes. Uh, The MLB will use minor league... The minor leagues this year to test different changes... Uh, these changes include the following larger bases, uh, banning certain defensive shifts, meaning that's that they'll only be allowed like 
there'll only be no there'll be a max of two players on each side of second base so, so you can't like overload one side uh there'll be an electronic strike zone woo, which could be a good that's thing cool. uh a 15 second pitch clock that's stupid i don't really care about it i don't know that's kind of uh, alternating good and stupid right now let's see if the next one's good limiting pickoff moves stupid i, I know i do low-key like that omari you don't oh. know the experience of being oh. Sorry, I thought you were going to say it, so I was just saying it so we could say it at the same time. Omari was ready. It's just like, I don't know, sometimes you go to a game, the pitcher does like five pickoffs in a row, and you're just like... Omari, it's basically like, say you got on base, right? Mm -hmm. And the pitcher is like, probably, more than likely, you've got to be a good baseman, right? Yeah. Um, It's not like we're sending out our boy Deholi, and they're going to be scared of him on the base pass. So say the guy's fast, and the pitcher's very scared of him stealing. He just keeps throwing the ball to first base to try to get him out, like repeatedly. It's like again and again and again, and it like takes a, it, it delays the game basically. That's probably what they're trying to combat. Five to six minutes. Yeah, it's, it's like, it's hey man, like... just throw the ball. All right. Yeah. Um, and the team announced that all players are currently under contract for at least 2021. Uh, 28 players came to agreements with the team. Kyle Lewis elected for a renewal. Uh, all 40 players on the roster are now signed. This includes, okay, get ready for this. Uh, Brayden Bishop, Nick Margavicious, Juan Then, Brandon Brennan, Jose Marmaleos, Luis Torrens, Sam Delaplane, Wyatt Mills, Taylor Trammell, Robert Duggar, Anthony Mashevitz, Mashevitz Bennett, Devitz. Will Vest, Justin Dunn, Dylan Moore, Donovan Walton, Aaron Fletcher, Andres Munoz, Drake Fra- Drake. Jake Fraley, not uh, Aubrey Graham. LJ Newsom, Ty France, Johan Ramirez, Joey Gerber, Casey Sadler, Sam Haggerty, Justice Sheffield, Kyle Lewis, Eric Swanson, Shed Long Jr., and Domingo Tapia. We didn't start. Did you say Sam Haggerty? Yes, his name's Sam Haggerty. Bye. No. No reason. (laughs) Okay. All right. Crazy. Um... (laughs) Uh, Probably, Mariners left-handed pitcher. relation to Macklemore is okay. That's what I thought. I was oh, like, oh like, <laughs> yeah. The Mariners <laughs> don't have. Uh, I don't Probably, know if they're related. Have, actually, I don't think. I feel like we know by now if they're related. Uh, um, Mariners left-handed pitcher Rowenis Elias has a serious issue with his left elbow slash forearm, and is speaking <laughs> with several doctors about what is next. So that doesn't sound helpful about. Are already uh, intriguing ball pen, bullpen, not ball I didn't pen. even know he was still on our team. I didn't either. Uh, situation. And the spring training roster as of today was reduced to 63 players. Brendan, ooh, Brandon Brennan and Wyatt Mills were optioned to the Mariners alternate site. Sam Delaplane was optioned to Triple A Tacoma. Nick Duran, Emerson Hancock, George Kirby, who uh, I broke the news that he got called up to the MLB camp. Darren McCoffin, Jamie Schultz, Brandon Williamson, Carter Benz, Josh Morgan, and Jordan Cowan will all were all res- sent down to their respective uh, minor league teams. So getting closer to the opening day roster, but none of those lovely fellows will be on it at this point in time. Like two uh, weeks away, right? Huh? Just about three what? weeks away. Oh, um, it's opening day, April first, right? Yes. Okay, so we're two weeks away as of this episode's release. Just about. Yes. 
Um, and looking ahead for the upcoming games of spring training, which you can normally find on 710 ESPN, but sometimes they delay the games, which is weird. Uh, March 16th, they will play the Kansas City Royals. On the 17th, they will play the Anaheim Angels. Uh, March 18th, they will play at the San Francisco Giants, which is a sort of preview for opening day. March 19th, they will play versus the Chicago White Sox. The 20th, they will play the Texas Rangers. On the 21st, they will play the Milwaukee Brewers. Whoa. And on March 22nd, they will play the Los Angeles Dodgers at their home park of Peoria. That is it for the Bees Bowl for the Seattle Sounders in their preseason. Uh, The team will bring back its full coaching staff of Tom Dutra, Gonzalo, Gonzala, Pineda, Preki, Jimmy Traore, and Adam Owen. The staff features experience from the likes of the World Cup, Champions League, English Premier League, and, of course, the MLS. Uh, So, you know, always kind of good to keep the coaching staff together, especially when it's one. uh, Oh, shoot, I'm forgetting. I forgot the exact years. But, um, you know, when you bring back a staff that's uh, been proven to be good, uh, unlike certain guys and certain teams uh, that shouldn't be re-signed, uh, you know, it's always a good thing. And you've got the experience from, you know, the World Cup alone, let alone, Champ- let alone Champions League and English Premier League. That's a good thing. Um, and then it was announced that the opening game of this season, the entire MLS season, will be the Sounders versus Minnesota United, the Loons, on Friday, April 16th at Lumen Field. Uh, and it is a rematch of the Western Conference Finals as Seattle defeated Minnesota 3-2 to to advance to the MLS Cup in that game. Uh so, you know, we're and the Sounders should have um, fans in the stands. It's just a matter of deciding uh, for the team and for local officials how many people will be in those stands. Um, the number I read was 18,000, but that's being negotiated. Um, getting into Seattle Storm news, don't have a ton of news today. Uh, Lauren Jackson was named the 2021, oh, named a 2021 Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame finalist. She should be a lock to make it anyway. Uh, Morgan Tuck announced her retirement from the WNBA. She is a five-year veteran, played 125 games, and she won back-to-back championships uh, these past two years as she won with a Connecticut son who she spent all of her uh, five-year career with, except for the last year, who she spent with Storm, obviously, in 2020. So two rings at the end of her career isn't a bad thing. And she was a third overall pick in the 2016 draft. And in the other part of the news for the storm, the WNBA revealed a new logo. Uh, it revealed a new logo and a count it slogan to celebrate its 30 ooh, 25th anniversary. Pardon me. Um, no Sonics news for today. Sad face. No. Oh, there is a piece of cracking news. The NHL is returning to ESPN. So at some point, Throughout next season, you will more than likely see the Kraken on ESPN. Very exciting. Um, I still have to learn about hockey. Uh, I do have a piece of Seattle Dragons news for you. The XFL and the CFL are in discussions for a collaboration between the two as a sort of partnership. There is no discussion currently about joining the leagues together. There is just some sort of talk of a partnership. Um, but that's, that's all we have right now. That's only information. Getting into the UW athletics, there is a piece that Omari will be interested in, so stay tuned for that, Omari. Um, firstly, though, with UW athletics for the football team, the NCAA in general is discussing a change to its overtime rules. This proposed rule would see teams running two-point conversion plays after scoring a touchdown in the second overtime 
and then only running two-point plays in the third overtime and beyond. Interesting, but it's probably got some correlation with LSU and Texas A&M playing seven overtimes uh, in 2019, I believe. So, uh, you know, I mean, I don't know how much of an impact that has on us, but, you know, interesting to see that sort of thing proposed. Uh, Getting into men's basketball, uh, the Pac-12 tournament game, Round one, they lost to Utah 98 to 95. Quade Green went out of his mind. Uh, he had 31 points, uh, led in points, obviously. Uh, Nate Roberts led with rebounds with six, and Quade Green led with seven assists. Uh, big game for Quade, uh, obviously. And also in team news, Quade Green led, oh, no, excuse me. He was named an all Pac 12 team honorable mention. Uh, looking forward, there are no upcoming games for the Huskies. They were not invited to the NIT. Um, they weren't very good. But instead of being mopey about it and not having any college basketball men's news, the podcast will now be following Loyola Chicago for their March Madness hey, run. So um, this is solely... Why not like Western Washington or something? Nope. 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 All right. Nope. That wouldn't make sense. This is solely because of Omari, uh, who is spent time in Seattle, so he gets it. Western Washington. Wait, what? Western what? Wa- did wa- Western Washington even have a basketball Eastern team? Eastern Washington. Everybody, shut up. Eastern Washington is not Seattle. Um, so we will follow Loyola Chicago uh, for their March Madness run. Once they lose, I don't care anymore. Which uh, will probably be like the nineteenth. Mm. Sorry, but I mean, you guys are playing. I mean, I guess you could probably beat Georgia Tech. We're the number one defense. You could probably beat Georgia Tech, but I don't know if you're going to beat Illinois. Yeah, no, Illinois. You guys can bet on challenge. it. Uh, I should we do that? It'll be five dollars. Okay, well, how about double or nothing? Illinois over Chicago. Mm, no, <laughs> I, want <laughs> I want my five dollars. I want my five dollars. Bennett still owes Amari five dollars. The the other team or what? Are we, are we not going to talk about the other like Washington teams that made it? No, we are like, Seattle. Doesn't count. Oh, I guess they can not. get a shout out, but that's when I think that the only other one is uh, Eastern Washington. Um, the women's team, women's news. They let go of head coach Jody Wynn. Uh, she was not able to replicate the success that the program had under coach Mike Neighbors, who brought the program to a Sweet 16 and a Final Four in his last two seasons. Over her four seasons as head coach, Jody Wynn uh, had a 38-75 and 75 overall record and an 11-58 and 58 record in the Pac-12. So it'll be interesting to see what the uh, who uh, ultimately is the new head coach, but that obviously is going to... Um, that conversation takes place now for... Uh, the organization, organization, the university to figure out organization. Okay, so he's just saying organization. In baseball, the men's uh, team played versus Portland on the 9th of March in our boy Ben Pataxel, who did record, uh, I believe, a couple hits. Uh, but the Huskies did win 2-1. to one. Uh, The purple team, oh, wait, I forgot. I have bragging rights over Bennett now. Yay. Oh, man, I'm such a big fan of the Portland Pilot Athletics too, man. Wow, not Mark even Bruce. a fan. Not even a fan for our friend Ben Patexo. Terrible. I'm texting Terrible. Ben right now about it. Um, player the uh, they would win two to one. Uh, player of the game was Brendan Ward. 
with three hits and a run. Uh, March 11th versus Seattle U, they would win 7-3. to three. Player of the game was second baseman Noah Su with two hits, two runs, one RBI, and one walk. March 12th versus WSU, they won 4-3 to three in 11 innings. Player of the game was center fielder Brayden Ward with two hits, two runs, and one RBI. I say that guy Bray, uh, Brayden Ward a lot. Probably be pretty good. Uh, March 13th versus Seattle, they would win 6-4. to four. And player of the game was first baseman Will Simpson with one hit, one run, two RBIs, and two walks. The team sits at an 8-6 and six team record, uh, and they're currently ranked ninth in the Pac-12. Mm. They will have three games versus USC upcoming March 19th through 21st. The softball team, again, gets the gold star. This is becoming repetitive. March 12th versus Seattle, they won 5 to nothing. Player of the game is split this week. I mean, that game. Uh, between shortstop Sis Bates with two hits, two runs, and RBI, and pitcher Gabby Plain with seven innings pitched and two hits allowed. Uh, March 13th versus Portland State, the team won eight to nothing in five innings. Player of the game was second baseman Bailey Klingler uh, with two hits, two runs, and two RBIs. March 13th versus Seattle, they won four to one. Player of the game was left fielder Sammy Reynolds with two hits, one run, one RBI, and one walk. March 14th versus Portland State, they won five to two, and player of the game was again. Shortstop, six baits with one hit, one run, two RBIs, and two walks. I hate how in baseball a walk is labeled BB. Yeah. It's an, I don't know. I mean, I guess it makes sense, but it's, you know, I don't know, kind of weird. I don't make the rules for baseball in general and softball, so I guess I have no room to talk. Uh, the team had Sammy Reynolds named the Pac-12 Player of the Week, so... I mean, when you have a .727 batting average in general uh, over the weekend, I think that's pretty good. Um, and that should net you Pac-12 Player of the Week honors. Uh, the team is ranked eighth in the nation at this point in time. They have a 20-2 and two team record. And they're only ranked third in the Pac-12 right now because other teams have not played enough games. So technically the two losses hindered them in a way, even though they've played the most games. Um Looking ahead, they will play four games versus Arizona, uh, one on the 19th, twice on the 20th, and then one on the 21st. But in the men's soccer, they beat Seattle oh, four to nothing. Play of the game was midfielder Dylan Tevis with two goals at UCLA. They won two to nothing. Play of the game was Christian Soto tied with Ryan Saylor as they both had a goal. Uh, Charlie Ostrom was named the College Soccer News Team of the Week. Uh, as well as Pac-12 Player of the Week, the team retained the WAC 101 Club Cup for defeating Seattle U. Um, yay. Uh, the yay. team record is currently 6-1, and one, and they are ranked nationally at number 8. Their Pac-12 rank is number 3, though, because, again, for some reason, playing less games means that you're better. I don't know. Pac-12 website is kind of confusing in that way. Their upcoming games, they play on the 20th of March versus Stanford uh, in the women's soccer team. They played number 21st, number 21 ranked Stanford. They lost one to zero uh, versus number 24 ranked California. They won two to one. The team sits at five, one and two. They're ranked 22nd in the U.S. Coaches Bowl and their Pac-12 rank is fourth. They have an upcoming game on the 19th versus number nine ranked WSU. So that should be a big game there. Um, and then in volleyball, the team played USC twice and won twice. Three to two and three to nothing, respectively. Lauren Sanders was named a candidate for the Senior Class Award, and the team is ranked number eight in the NCAA currently, number two in the Pac-12, and they will be able to play the number one team 
in the Pac-12, WSU twice on the 19th and the 21st. Uh, they will bring their 13-3 record in. Some big games against WSU this week for the Huskies in general. So that is it for episode 51 of the podcast today. Obviously, some probably the biggest thing uh, to note is that we have two partners now. Uh, you know, pretty proud of that. I mean, uh, I'm just disappointed. I don't necessarily have a script for you right now, but I will um, continue to talk about Russell Wilson and that. Uh, Let's hope not. I don't, yeah, I don't want to do that anymore. Baseball continues to get closer and closer. Same with soccer, with our Sounders. Same with the storm season. So, you know, right now, all we've got is we've got Russell Wilson anxiety. We've got a bright future to look at in the Mariners. We've got the Sounders who are, it'll be interesting to see what they do without Jordan Morris this year. The storm, I mean, I think we looked at it and uh, I don't know. I don't know if I looked at the Bennett actually. But uh, Bleacher Report gave the trades, the storm offseason is a D. So, you know, I don't know how I feel about that. I think that's kind of BS. But I'll look at that more when we get closer to the uh, WNBA season. Um, no Sonic stuff. Kraken, I mean, we're getting closer to the expansion draft. Dragons, uh, that kicks off next year. Uh, you know, football, eh, you know, uh, basketball, w- basketball. Right now, we've got an exciting team to root for, actually, in Loyola Chicago. So, Omari will be our resident Loyola Chicago person. Um, that's kind of uh, the outlook right now. I mean, softball takes care of their stuff. Um, oops. <laughs> um, baseball is they're – getting, they're hitting their stride. Uh, volleyball continues to take care of business. So, things are all, all bad here. I mean, Russell Wilson and – the Seahawks and ability to protect him that holds a dark cloud over things, but you know, there are things to look forward to. So we will be back next Tuesday. That is the 23rd um, of March. So, Oh God, we're already, we're only in the 16th of March. I don't know. It felt like we just started March. Um, But again, adding partnership and uh, adding two partnerships and then having everybody here uh, for another week is always a blessing. So um, unless anybody has anything to report. Nope, not really. Bennett still owes me $5. Bennett still owes uh, Omari $5. We will continue to say that at the end of the podcast until Bennett pays those $5. Um, I have been Charles along with Bennett and Omari, and we will be back next week to bring you all things Seattle sports. Omari, no, Bennett, make a funny noise. Baba Booey.